0: Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm in the city of Oak Ridge and joining me here is Lee Hello. Younger, one of the pastors at Crouch Community Church.
1: Wait, I get to go first this time?
0: By physical proximity to me, that's hold always on, been the on, rule.
1: Gonna, am I going to be in, who's going to be in trouble for me getting introduced first? Is it going to be you or is me. it going to be me? Me. Okay, I'm okay with that. Also I'm,
0: joining us is Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Oh. oh, it's good to be here, baby. It's good to be here. And gracing us with his presence, a man without whom we could not do this, Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. What kind of (laughs) topsy-turvy, upside-down,
2: dogs and cats sleeping together world are we living in right now? It's It's a world (laughs) gone mad.
0: Mass hysteria. I'll tell you what it is, is it's the hundredth say that, so we had to go back to the way we did it on the first one. Woo! Oh, so. which also means this
1: episode will be 16 minutes long <laughs> <laughs> well does this is that is that why you drove down to oak ridge tennessee so that we could celebrate the 100th say that by you doing the episode in the same physical location
0: yes christmas was totally incidental okay i spent my entire christmas break in this recording studio at the church my family is very angry <laughs> It is the 100th episode of Say That. We, Woo! first of all, would like to start out by saying we appreciate all of you who have listened, written Woo! in questions, left reviews, shared with your friends, especially those of you who shared with your friends, reblogged stuff, uh, shared stuff on Twitter and Facebook. It has been a lot of fun doing 100 of these over the last couple of years, and we hope to keep it going in well, the spirit wait a of celebration. Wait yes, a Lynn? Uh, do, do you appreciate me? Yes. we. They appreciate you most of all.
2: Well, you... You you said you appreciated the fans, but you didn't you didn't say anything about appreciating me. So,
0: so sure, well, I appreciate the fans, and they appreciate you. So the appreciation is like amplified.
2: Yeah, it's like the transitive property of appreciation, Glenn.
3: Exactly.
1: <laughs> but
2: it just it just felt like Matt wasn't appreciating me specifically. Right.
3: So, yeah. You're, are you feeling hurt and wounded?
2: Well, it's the holidays, so <laughs> I was about to
0: say, do we have some leftover Christmas vibes going on here, Glenn? <laughs> yeah.
2: Just wa- I just want to throw out a little, you know, a little bit of an insecurity holiday moment.
3: Well, I think that's good. What else is good? Yeah.
2: Custom m ms
3: baby. Whoa. 100th episode, custom m ms from New
0: Zealand that I'm eating right now. That is happening.
3: That's wow. delicious, delicious. Audience appreciation. Jed, when you
0: when you say custom, describe for the people what makes these M and M's custom.
3: We have um, from say that Super Van Brighty. We, we Woo. each received a package of M and M's, and these are in. They appear to be roughly speaking in the say that colors in terms of the the nice. shade, shades of green and whatnot. But we've got congrats, one uh, one hundred episodes. Say that. Um, oh, yeah. See what else is in there.
1: Oh, I th- yeah. I think there
3: may be an emergency in there, but these are custom say that M&M's people in honor of our hundredth episode. It, and I got to tell you, they're delicious.
2: It, they, it, you know what? I tweeted this on the tweet machine. Yeah. But it's a fact. We can taste how good our fans are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. The did that tweet machine, did you?
1: Yeah, I tweeted. Just fired up the tweet here's machine. Here's a question I've got about this is uh, we each received a, a parcel of, say, that special uh, anniversary 100th episode M&Ms. Whose M&Ms are those that you're enjoying?
3: Well, you know, um, they're Matt's because
1: <laughs> in his haste
3: to leave the godforsaken wilderness that is Chicago... He neglected to take his pack with him. (laughs) And here's the thing. These were intended to be enjoyed during the taping of the 100th episode. Well, obviously. And so I feel like it would be disrespectful for us to not completely devour them tonight. Absolutely. Because if there were any left, that would be like an insult.
2: Well, and then related to that, we received uh, cookies, Christmas cookies. Yes, we did. From Tasha. Yes. Wow. uh, Super fan Tasha. Yes. Yes. Who put uh, uh, words and things on there. Yes. On the cookies, because it's a big cookie. They are big cookies. put the words on there. Yeah. And she made some especially for Jed. Yeah. uh, And things, and then put that in the nice little thing, container. Yeah. And Jed made the critical mistake of leaving that setting out. Right. And not taking that immediately home. Right. So, what Jed's going to discover later is there will be fewer <laughs> cookies in there <laughs> than when he had started. The, the thing,
3: for those listening at home, the thing you're picking up on is the practice of spite eating. Yeah. Uh, amongst the Say That staff. Yeah. It's a story tradition. Goes back many years, begins with me eating other people's burritos. That's right. In <laughs> what's really an, an intentional act. Yeah. But <laughs> at, at, at this point, we, we attempt to eat one another's food. And it,
2: every turn it's survival of the fittest
3: yeah exactly right exactly right but we're grateful uh miss tasha miss bridey we we love you we thank you so so much for thinking of us and for the treats
1: yeah Yeah. and those those cookies are ridiculously good yeah it's one of those you 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 tear into those cookies and you're like that's what butter and flour and sugar were made to do right there This is what I'm talking about. Absolutely.
0: To be clear, we appreciate all the listeners, but especially those who make baked goods. Our love is totally for sale. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. We have no shame about that whatsoever. Speaking of things we don't have shame about, we've got some awards to give out to ourselves. That's right. This is the 2013 Say That Podcast Awards voted on by a... venerated panel of people who've been secluded. All right. I I read the envelopes as they are handed to me. Our first award is for
1: best beard. Hold on, Matt. Where did you suddenly get that presenting cocktail dress that you're wearing? What I get for Christmas is my own business, Lee.
2: (laughs) Now, let me quickly interrupt this. Yeah. Okay. We had some comments from... I I received some comments from a, a super fan out there. Uh, uh, Miss Crystal, who had a concern, and this is real, this okay. is true, this okay. is legit. <laughs> she asked me in all seriousness, "Was Lee wearing no shirt <laughs> during a recent podcast where we were joking that he was on steroids for a cold, so he was oiled up and shirtless?" Oh, he was shirtless, all right. The thing you haven't asked, you know what? I'm gonna stop myself right there. Yeah, good man. And he, here's here's what the thing is. She thought. That he really was
0: shirtless. Yeah, and that's this, how committed we are to the bit.
2: It, here's the thing: the friend, the friend, A, you need to to know we're joking on a regular yes. basis on this show. B, don't picture Lee without a shirt on, because that's, that's not holy. A, that's not holy, y'all. No, dude, let's keep it clean. All right, here's the. That's,
1: this is a family show. That's here's how the I, thing. I like
2: I like to keep it clean. I that's know a, you do. That's I'm how sure. I do.
1: Here's
0: the thing you got to know about this show. Uh, up until the part where I start talking about Bridgebox about 15 minutes in, more like 20 minutes in normally, everything before that should be disregarded immediately.
3: Yeah, yeah. you probably shouldn't even listen to it. There's just, no fact or
0: content or helpfulness in that. Yeah. <laughs> we only do it because we're contracted by the production companies. These shows have to come in over an hour. We got to fill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and scene- to that point... Say that awards 2013. Here we go. Late on us. First award for best beard and the nominees are Abraham Lincoln. Mm. Jesus. <laughs> wow, I just read I just read the envelope I'm handed, folks. Matt King. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. That's uh, that's a list. Okay.
1: <laughs> and the winner is Wait, did you ever think that you would be in a list on an awards program with Abraham Lincoln and Jesus? No. This is a list of people who did great things. It's also a list the, of people
0: who were pretty brutally murdered. Well, so I'm not waiting great for about it. this. All right, Wait here we go. For <laughs> it.
2: There's some re- really strong beards in there, though. There there that's are. True. For sure.
0: That's the yeah. other defining factor. All right, here we go. And the winner of the twenty thirteen say that award for best beard is Matt King. Yeah. Well I'm honored.
1: There's a note
0: in here in parentheses, which I feel is unnecessary, saying Matt actually came in third. We could not get the other nominees to show up to collect the award.
2: <laughs> okay. There you okay. go. That makes I sense. feel like
0: whoever's in charge of the awards is not didn't do a lot of research up front, maybe? On that right. one, anyway? Yeah. Right. I'm not even sure where you send an invitation to get Jesus to show up to your award show.
2: Well, and well. I think... Technically and theologically speaking, Jesus probably has a slightly more powerful beard than Matt. Probably, certainly. We don't. We, I mean, scientists, you know, can't uh, conclude anything definitively. But theologically, I think that's the I right it's call. I think to say.
3: I think Matt, that by receiving that award, you have insulted both Jesus and Abraham Lincoln. Way to go! Wow. And I think so. It's my beard is you think about
0: is possibly blasphemous and treasonous. <laughs> wow. There have That's been there have been many many accusations leveled against my face in my time, but that may be the most outrageous. Matt King's Treasonous Beard is my new favorite indie band. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Classics. All right, we move on to the next award. Award number two is for Best Nemesis. Mm. Okay. Oh. The nominees are Joel Osteen. Okay. Time Traveling Cyborgs. Okay. Okay. Sent by Joel Osteen. Right. Glenn's Obviously. future doppelganger. As played by shapeshifter Joel Osteen. (laughs) And the winner is, out of nowhere, a Cinderella story, Joel Osteen. Oh, yeah. Wow. 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 I was really hoping Skeletor would be up in there, but Joel Osteen's not bad.
2: I think it's one of those where it's just kind of, you had to know. Sure.
1: It was his year. It was. It was. He's the Daniel
0: Day-Lewis of this podcast.
1: That was sort of a politics award right there, but we're all feeling it. It was like
0: giving Scorsese he used, <laughs> for *The Departed* instead of *Goodfellas*. It's just a li- really a lifetime achievement award. Right. Yeah. I mean, we
1: yeah. all know it was actually for *Goodfellas*, but it, just in hindsight.
0: Well, well, Joel couldn't be here, but he asked
3: me to receive the award oh, on his behalf. Nice. Um, oh, that's great. And so he just said, "You know, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And I'm going to cut you. So. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's,
2: that's a little. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how. Hey. That seems a little inappropriate to me. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just the messenger. I'm just
3: saying. Most what
0: people don't know that the cross on the front of Joel Osteen's big Bible is a switchblade. <laughs> it detaches.
1: <laughs> is it Don't really anyone ever listen to this show? Yeah, Why people, made people should these? listen. He to said, this.
3: "Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I will cut you with the blade." Wow. I'm just saying. That I mean, it is, seemed off to me. Yeah,
2: I, I think that's a little inappropriate. I mean, I asked a couple
3: times, like Joel, are you sure that's what you want to say? I will cut them. <laughs> Wow. Like, all right, dude. He all doubled right.
0: down. You wow. don't want to put words in his mouth. That's just no, hey, we
2: just, <laughs> we just report libel. the
0: facts. Right, I am right, not right. do that.
2: Right.
0: We just report the facts as we see them. All right, we're going to move on to our next award here. The next award, the very prestigious, say that, best country award. Ooh, the nominees uh, are the Philippines. Uh, oh, right. Canada.
3: Okay. Oh, I, I don't feel think like so. that
0: one got in under Glenn's objection. <laughs> australia new zealand possibly the same country again the research department <laughs> yeah. is a little a little yeah. rough here I think, I
3: think they might resent that grouping yeah probably okay
0: take it up with our executive producer to be dated at the end of the podcast and our final nominee for the best country america wow <laughs> america. that's how it's spelled that's how i'm reading it all right the winner is say that award for best country england Ooh, and right. there's a, there's a, we get awards with explanations, which I feel like is nice. I feel like the major right. award shows should take this up. Sure. England, because they say that fans were nice to Glenn when he was there. Okay. Nice. Okay.
2: That makes complete sense to me.
0: I feel like personally appealing to Glenn may be the uh, the real way to the heart of this award show. Well, I yeah.
3: hope all these other countries have learned something here today. Thank you.
0: Maybe next yeah. year, try
3: a little bit harder, and it could be your turn. Okay. Yeah. That's how you do it.
0: Yeah. Pay attention. All right. We're going to move on because that means it's time to move on. All right. The next award is for Best Anointing. Interesting. Oh. The nominees are Joel Osteen's Teeth.
2: Sure. <laughs> Obviously.
0: Yeah. Sure. Uncle Glenn's Wisdom.
2: Yeah.
3: Mm, oh, yeah. Right. Mm, Jed okay. and
0: Lee's Music.
3: Okay. Oh. Grouped right
0: into one. They work together on a lot of projects. All right. The winner for Say That 2013 Best Anointing is. Uncle Glenn, a.k.a. the man who signs my paychecks.
2: Oh, nice. <laughs> ah. Well, that's... Just gonna fold
0: that. just going to fold that envelope and keep that with me in my pocket. There's no reason for anyone else to uh, see the name that was on that envelope. All sure, right. Sure. Moving on to our next award. Best... List, this is near and dear to our hearts. Best listener contributed food. Ooh, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, that is yes. in the history of the podcast. The nominees are pineapple lumps
3: oh very good yeah very, from very, new good. zealand yeah
0: custom m&ms mm, yeah, delicious
3: yeah, yeah. Strong.
2: Strong. we were just talked
3: tasha's about that. cookies mm. also good also very. all good.
0: right and the winner is pineapple lumps it's like new zealand's in your mouth and everyone's invited
2: <laughs> nice <laughs> yes
0: also i will say it, that uh Pineapple lumps has, have actually been used in our uh, ministry in Chicago. Yeah, because there's true. a guy we work with on the north side who does some great ministry with uh, homeless folks. Yeah. who is New Zealand and Glenn and Jed, in separate tracks of thought, thought to thank him for helping us out by buying what big bag of pineapple
2: lumps. lumps. Pineapple yeah, lumps. that's exactly right. We're using yeah. them to, to, as bribes at this point. Yeah, yeah.
0: we had we had a staff meeting where. of our staff showed up with bags of pineapple lumps to bribe people. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Just got to get it done, man, by any means.
0: Absolutely. All right. Our next award is the award for the Say That Meme that Matt King hopes will just go away in 2014. (laughs) Okay. The nominees are the ongoing one-sided Osteen Feud. Sure. Sure. Into the future, time travel conundrums. Sure, sure. Because it's not.
2: Because it's not. Because we're recording this now. Oh, right. you? But it's the people listening to it. Who knows? Yeah. What?
0: Sure. Absolutely. I guess it's not 2014 yet. Third nominee for say that mean that Matt King hopes will go away in 2014. Bacon-related anti-Canada screeds.
3: <laughs> yes. Well, apparently
0: not all anti-Canada screeds. <laughs> Just the bacon-related ones. Just the bacon ones. ones yeah. <laughs> All right, and the winner got, is. Understand,
2: they got beavers on their money. And I haven't even touched <laughs> that. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, look, no, your, your problem, Glenn, is hypocrisy. No. That's the only thing you have a beef about is hypocrisy. Right.
2: That's all. I that's all I'm trying to say. Who to is Canada. Justice Beaver? Say what? Who is Justice Beaver? He's a crime-fighting beaver.
0: Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Well, now I just <laughs> want to make a show about that. Forget the advice. <laughs> all right, the winner for say that meme that. Say That Mean, The Matt King Hopes Will Go Away in 2014. Three-way tie, all of them. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Which almost okay. guarantees that in the first episode of 2014, Glenn will go on a time travel bacon rant about Osteen. <laughs> <Yes>.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, there you go.
0: <laughs> all right. Our final award for this 100th Say That episode, Best Jed Brewer Character.
1: Oh. Whoa. Oh, this is a tight oh, race. Yeah. This is a tight race. Here this we go. The nominees eat, are eat
0: Cambridge Jed. Mm, quite yeah. right. Quite right. Legalistic Jed.
3: Uh, it's an honor to be dominated. Yeah, it, it it is. Yeah, yeah.
0: The final nominee for best Jed Brewer character: Legalistic Cambridge Jed.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Which you have to. Which you you're like trying to put humility at the forefront of your British accent.
3: Quite right. It's that's actually very hard to do. At least it's <laughs> a tough
1: one. All right. The winner for best Jed Brewer character
0: is. Cambridge Jed, because legalistic Jed is just a little too real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I am delighted to receive this honor, and I hold it in great esteem, and uh, so on and so forth, and salutations, and very good. <laughs> All right. We're going to close yeah. out the Say That 2013 Awards with some goals and predictions for our next oh. 100 episodes, okay. as submitted and compiled by the independent panel. Okay. Yes. Number one, be red flagged by every Christian college. We can do it together, people. <laughs>
2: we well, we got Wheaton College. Sure, and that's that's a big yeah. one right there. Yeah, There's sure been flagged. hook up Moody pretty easily. Oh yeah.
0: There's been an offer put on the table to try to get us into Belmont and Nashville. Okay. okay.
2: We can get a red flagged there,
1: dude. I believe in it. We can offend them. Yeah. With, and no, no problem.
0: Just with scarf jokes alone, we get red flagged at Belmont. <laughs>
1: all right now we'll never be invited well
0: the students are gonna invite us anyway all right i tried to
3: convince glenn to wear skinny jeans the other day
0: put that out there jed is that a waistcoat (laughs) it is it is a waistcoat all right our next prediction for the next hundred episodes of say that our goals crush all competition in jesus name sure
2: (laughs) wow Yeah. (laughs) yeah i think that's a good one right there
0: Goal think, number three for the next hundred Say That episodes insult yeah. even more countries. Well, that's yeah,
1: there's
0: that's no way around tough. that
1: at this point, I don't think. Yeah, yeah right. there's a lot of them. Out Our there. next
0: goal for Say That next hundred episodes travel to the homes of listeners who have not left yet, not let yet left an iTunes review and look sad outside their window. Oh, can I wear fingerless gloves and kind of press my face against the glass? Yes.
3: Okay. Sure. We've never heard very...
1: holding an empty wooden bowl. We've never heard <laughs> homeless... You have to look very
2: Dickensian.
1: We've never Please, heard a homeless street waif Jed before. Please, sir, would you leave a review for my podcast? Please,
0: sir, can I have some more SARS? Please, sir. There's it'll so- only take
1: 10 seconds to leave a review for my podcast <laughs> There are so nice. many wrong things i want to say and i'm restraining all, all right of in them that case we'll move
0: on to our last prediction goal for the next 100 say that episodes refer to episodes 101 through 200 as say that the sequel what did they say now
2: oh
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes that's fantastic. That's uh the independent I, I panel goes it. for the
0: throat sometimes, folks.
2: Yeah, there there's a little bit of an inside joke element to that. <laughs> and if you get it, it's super delicious.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the, the uh the the awards were a good reminder that we do this show about 85% for us. Yeah. And the uh the first 20 minutes are about 110% for us. That's us time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's just just buds All right, we do have one more special thing for our 100th episode. You guys have heard me talk about Bridgebox over the last year and a few months. That is our subscription media service. It's normally $8 a month. You get sermons from Glenn and myself, music by Jed and Lee, Bible studies, devotionals, videos, a lot of extra goodies, and all that money goes to help us run our ministry in Chicago. This month, we're going to give away a free month of bridge box. So oh, yeah, go yeah. to your browser, type in missionusacom USA.com slash say that 100 that say that spelled out. And then the number one zero zero that will take you to a free version of our August 2012 bridge box. The, the uh, theme of which is what do I do when I look in the mirror and don't like what I see? Mm. Lots of awesome songs, uh, sermons, Bible studies, all that stuff is downloadable. There's links to SoundCloud. You can stream it or you can download it. That's yours. It's all digital rights free. You can email it to your friends, burn it, whatever you want to do. That is yours. The same goes for the PDFs that are the devotionals and the Bible studies. That is for you. We want everybody to get a taste of Bridgebox. And if you're already a Bridgebox subscriber, then this is all stuff you've seen before. You got on the bandwagon early. But remember, missionusa.com slash say that 100. If you like what you see, you want to sign up, you want to give Little money in the ministry. Missionusa.com/slash/bridgebox. All right, we're about to close Ooh. out the 100th episode festivities and get to the wisdom. Do we have any closing remarks, gentlemen?
2: Festivities off. Yeah, yes. festivities off.
0: Yeah, that really applied well considering this episode will come out January 1st. That really worked on a lot of levels.
3: See, so that's we're deep, dude. We're
0: wow, deep. absolutely. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you hang out with us all the way to end, I will give you some addresses where you can raise a question. This came in to our Tumblr inbox from our friend, Kate Finder. It says, on one of your previous podcasts, you mentioned that the definition of the word repent meant to change your mind. I later checked the dictionary and it only had the negative definition. Quote, to feel sorry, self-reproachful, or contrite for past conduct, regret, to be conscience-stricken, about a past action, attitude, et cetera, unquote. I guess this means you're using an archaic definition or the way it was meant by those who wrote the Bible, but could you explain a little bit more about Christian repentance? Glenn, can you kick us off?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mentioned this, uh, uh, did a post on this about uh, four months ago on my blog.
0: UncleGlenn.Tumbo.com, very popular. How, how popular of a blog would you say that is? Well,
2: Jed, it's... It, it, it's quite popular.
0: I see. Real popular. Okay, I don't I mean, want to like, reveal who wrote the award script, but I'm kind of surprised there was no most popular blog category. Yeah, I'll just there, say
2: that. Well, uh, I that's not... It, there wouldn't be like a competition. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So there's wow. no... Fair enough. You know, you... It, it would, would just be, have
1: to be different series of posts by Glenn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the, so I did a post about it, and here's the thing. You're, you're right when you uh, say that if you look up the word repentance in the dictionary, uh, it will say that you, you know, feel a remorse, uh, you feel a regret, you know, so on and so forth. And that's sort of become the, the way that we use that word in English. So it's taken on sort of a cultural meaning. But what we want to do is look at what does the Bible mean when it says that word. In other words, you can go back into the original language of the New Testament uh, to, to look at what it's trying to say there. That The New Testament is written in a language called Greek, and the Greek word here is metaneo. It's a simple word, really. It's a two-part word. Uh, uh, meta means to change, so like a metamorphosis, you change a shape. Uh, 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 Noel is uh, your thoughts, your thought process, the way you think, all that. So it's it's it means to literally change your thought process, to change your your uh, state of mind, change the way that you think about things. That's what the original word means. And I forget about how we translate that, or forget about what the dictionary says. That's that's the original thought that's trying to be conveyed there. The problem that we have with that is. When we talk about repentance, we generally think that means changing your behavior, uh-huh. you know, which is not what that word means. And uh, even when we're not thinking of it that, almost a hundred percent of the time, we're thinking of repentance means to ch- a change of heart, to, a change of your emotional state, to yeah. to feel a remorse, to feel a regret, to to, to agonize over your sin to be broken about your sinful state and to feel bad about it that that's what repentance is to
3: be crushed by your iniquity
2: to be we, these are words we've heard before you, that you're supposed to be crushed under the weight of your iniquities and all that that's not what repentance means or the, or that's not what metaneo means what what that word means is to change your mind and, and change your thought process now why is that important the reason why it's important is it turns out that feeling bad about your sins doesn't really have the power to help you change it. That's right. To more negativity on something you're doing that is negative doesn't really have a lot of transformative power. <coughs> it feels really emotionally strong, and that might, you know, sort of blind us to what's going on there. Uh, uh having an emotional response to things we do wrong, which sort of happens anyway, that's not a, a special trick, really doesn't have the power to transform us. But if we change the way that we think about what we're doing, if we change our level of understanding, and I'll let these guys unpack this a little more, uh, but by changing our, our thought process, we begin to transform the way that we act. So the problem is we get into sin and we say, I'm going to repent, which in my mind I've decided means I need to feel bad about it mm-hmm. and uh-huh. I need to have a lot of agony and i got to go front <laughs> up front in front of the altar and cry about it and whatever and somebody's going to pray on me and all this. And I'm going to get real emotional about it, but I never changed my thinking. I never learned anything. I didn't figure out why am I doing this. I didn't figure out what I'm going to do instead. I just felt bad about it. By doing nothing other than emoting over it, I haven't changed anything, and I don't have any hope that this thing's going to turn around. If I change the way I think of it, I change my level of understanding, if I find out why I'm doing this, whatever, yeah. then I have a way of of, of, of having a real change. So uh, what we're trying to do here is to take this out of the realm of emotion and not feel our way through it, but begin
1: to think our way through it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, Lee. Absolutely. I was thinking about there's a place at the very beginning of the book of Mark where it talks about how Jesus started to preach. And he says in his opening sermon, he says, the kingdom of God is near. Therefore, repent and believe the good news. Now, he's not even talking about sin at all. He's talking about God is coming to be your king. And the very next thing he says is repent and believe the good news he's not saying you need to feel bad about stuff. He's saying you need to change the way you think about what it would be like to have God as your king. There are tons and tons of places that the New Testament uses the word repent that have nothing to do with sin whatsoever. In fact, there isn't one And when I was growing up in church, the only thing I ever heard following the word repent was the word sin. But there's not actually a place in the New Testament that says, repent of your sins. That's not a quotation that you will find in the New Testament. It talks about all kinds of different things, transforming your mind, transforming your attitude, that kind of stuff. It's, It's the stuff that Glenn's talking about. And for the exact same reason that feeling bad about it doesn't change it. But there's so many things about our thinking that need to change. And when we change the way with, that we look at certain things and change the way that we perceive certain things, the the kind of angle that we we're, we're coming at certain situations, then that it changes everything. The way you look at something changes everything about it. The, just this morning, um, my pastor um, here in the church, Matt and I were here at church, and and our pastor was saying that. You know, there are times when, when Jesus' disciples, you know, they, they didn't believe some of the stuff that he said, and, and he would challenge them and say, why didn't you, why did you doubt? You know, why, did you, uh, why didn't you believe? Why didn't you have faith? And, you know, traditionally, we always look at that as like Jesus is scolding these guys. But what he was saying is, if you think about it, what he's really saying is, why? He's trying to get them to think out what's going on here. Well, like what, what in your thinking made you doubt what I said? Mm-hmm, I mean, he, he's, he's kind of pushing the conversation further. Like I'm not just scolding you as like a parent that's upset. I'm saying, Let, let's, let's talk about why you lost faith right there. Let's, let's talk about what, what broke down in your thinking. I, I love this. I love this idea of getting into what the original language meant, because we find out that a lot of things that, that we, that we just kind of accepted in church without ever really thinking about it. Some of those things come apart. Because it's the 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 goal of uh, of repentance is not just to you know woe is me and I'm so terrible and and look at look at how bad I've been and stuff like that, but to actually go back and change the way I think about it. So even if I do repent of my sin, what I want to do is, you know, uh, we we've talked about this a lot. The that, that the reason that we do certain sinful behaviors or whatever is because there's something we think that thing can give us. Sure. There's there's like the reason that I the reason that I treat this person this way is because of this. I think this is going to give me a sense of power in, in this relationship or something like that. When, you know, the idea of repentance would really have me go back and look at, is that really achieving what you think it's giving you? Mm-hmm. Is it is it really, that, that sinful behavior, is it really satisfying to you at all? Or is it is it, total, is, it, is it filling you up for a second, but then making you feel even worse at the end? It's, it's really a, a way cooler uh, you know, process of, of dealing with the things that we're trying to change in our lives, the, 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 the biblical, the original language idea of what repentance is about. That's a great point, Jed.
3: Well, these brothers have already handled this real well. I'll just throw one more quick thing in. Here's the funny thing about true repentance, about truly making changes in your life and changing the way you think, is not only does it not really, really involve feeling bad about stuff, actually what you'll find is that the more understanding you gain, you will feel less bad about the things you've done. And let me explain why that is. Um, the way that sin works, the way that the devil's strategy works is to convince you, you don't really have a choice here. Mm. You're boxed into That's a corner true. and pretty much, you know, there's only one option. So right. get on with it.
2: Yeah. Uh, you just have to do this.
3: And once you understand that that's what was done to you, it doesn't leave you a lot of room exactly, exactly to feel bad about it. Let me give an example of what I'm talking about. We work with guys that are coming out of street gangs, and these guys have done some really violent things. They, they've, all of them have hurt people. Many of them have killed people. They've you know, dealt drugs. They've done you know, a lot of certainly illegal and, and often very immoral things. But how do they get there? How did they wind up at this place? It's not that they woke up one day and said, I would like to do wrong things now. No, what happened is they grew up in an environment where every day they were told, you will never amount to anything. Yeah. You don't have what it takes to make it in this world. Um, you aren't smart enough for school. Um, people in mm. other neighborhoods wouldn't like you. They wouldn't want you around. Um, nobody's going to come through for you. There's no safety net for you. You're on your own, and you're never going to make it. Um, mm. they, the, the folks in, that we work with in these street gangs, they have been told that from when they were uh, uh, infants. They have been That's been communicated to them every day. And then when they're maybe eight or nine or 10 years old, a group of older kids come along and say, hey, we we got a place for you. We, we like your style. We, we think that, you know, you could have a place with us and, you know, you can help us out with some stuff and we can help you out with some stuff. And what do you think about that? Well, if you're eight, nine, ten years old and you've been told your whole life that no one wants you around and there's no place for you and there's uh, n- uh, the world is not ever going to offer you anything. And then uh, some cool older guys say, actually, we dig you. Why don't you come hang out with us? You're going to do that. Yeah. You're going to say yes to that. That's just the way that temptation works. And you follow that a piece at a time. They say, well, here's what we need you to do. We need you to carry this thing of drugs from this place to this other place. And then here's what we need you to do is we need you to go ride with us because we got to go beat somebody up and take care of business. And then we need you to go take this pistol and do something with it. And it builds. But along the way, you didn't really feel like you had a lot of choice exactly It's just, that's what was in front of you and what else are you going to do? Well, the thing about that is that's not just true for people in gangs. That's true for all of us. That's always the way the devil works is to box you into a corner where it doesn't feel like you have a choice this is really the only good option in front of you and when you do what Glenn and Lee are describing in terms of trying to get some understanding trying to figure out how did I get in this mess to begin with, what led me to this point, why don't I turn down the feelings and the emotions for a second and look at just how did we reach this point, what we realize is it gives us a lot less to feel bad about but it gives us some really good strategy for moving forward. So in other words, if we made bad decisions because we thought no one wanted us around and then a bad crowd said, we want you around, what that means is that our focus needs to be working on um, negating those ideas that no one wants us around in the first place. Uh, it, it means that we need to, to go find good social environments and, and good groups that, that do want us around, choosing to inject ourselves into those situations. Because if we don't do those things, if we, if we allow ourselves to kind of marinate in and buy into the idea that no one wants us around when the wrong crowd comes around and says do you want to hang out with us we're going to say yes that's there's there's no way around that. That's we're going to fall in that moment. What we discover when we truly repent is that fighting temptation takes place way earlier than we think it does. That fighting temptation is about trying to see what the devil's gonna try and do two or three moves down the way yeah. and preparing for it now as opposed to just being oblivious and then getting blindsided, which again is how all of us have gotten in trouble.
1: And Every- Jed, you have to and you and a lot of that takes falling. And then going back and looking at it again. So you can't just bury yourself in feeling horrible. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right.
0: All right, that's some great stuff. All right, we move on to our next question here. This came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, I'm still trying to figure out where God is leading me, but I haven't found anything that I love more than mission trips, than the reality of living and simply serving others. I know God has called me to do that. I just don't know if it will be now or a few years from now. I don't know if it will be for a few years or for longer. Do you think that it's wise to consider who to date in light of this? I've just always thought that when I'm married, I would want both of us to pursue our calling side by side, even if they're different. But what if he's involved with another ministry or a career somewhere else? What if it doesn't translate to missions for him? I know I'm asking too many premature questions, but this just feels important. There are great guys in my church, but I'm hesitant to get into anything into something only to find that my heart can't get away from missions and I have to hurt that person now that I care about them. Lee, can you start us off?
1: Uh, absolutely. And thanks for sending in your question. This is a great question. I I love how you say, um, this just feels important and, and it is important. Um, but I, I, I do think you may be, and I, I think it's great. I think your, your heart for missions and your heart for you know, living simply and serving the Lord and all that kind of stuff is awesome stuff. But, um, the only thing I would say on this is that you may be getting ahead of yourself a little bit on the idea that you're saying, uh, do you think it's wise to consider who to date in light of this? And then in the very next sentence, I've just always thought that when I'm married, so what we did was we went right from considering someone to date and then within the same sentence to being married so uh, these two things are vastly different going out on a date some with somebody yes you you want to you want to date somebody that loves Jesus who is uh, you know a, a, a sweet dude that loves Jesus at your church there's a lot of great guys at your church that's awesome but going straight from that to I'm you know uh, considering you know who you're going to marry, that may be a, a bit of a jump at this point. Um, the one thing I would say about the end of this question, where you say, uh, there's so much here, so I hope I'm not jumping around too much, and these guys can help kind of narrow this field, but... <clears throat> At the very end of the question, you say, "I don't want to. I don't want to start something only to find that my heart can't get away from missions, and I have to hurt this person that I care about." I would say, number one, with whomever you date, be absolutely honest up from the from the start, up front, about the kind of life that you want to live, what the Lord is calling you into, what you are passionate about. And here's the cool thing: is any guy that loves Jesus who is worth his salt when he finds out that he is out on a date with a girl who is passionate about serving the Lord this is going to make him very very excited this is going to make him uh, fired up and glad that he's on a date with you any guy that's uh, that's shying away from this well that's your answer you know we had a great time but I'm going to move on from this the other thing i would say on this is <clears throat> so you know be honest up front, don't jump too far to, you know, your, you know from, from starting to date somebody straight into marriage. The other thing I would say on this is you don't want to narrow your field too much on what serving the Lord would look like, yeah. either in living simply or in being involved with serving people. Because I can tell you, all four guys on this podcast. We are all involved in missions in one way or another. I, you know, I'm a pastor at a church, but I'm also involved in, in, a, in, a, in a youth ministry that's very missions-minded, very missions-oriented, and, and all of us are dudes that live simply and we serve the Lord. And so that's something that um, you know you are going to be able to do that, and and in beautiful kingdom-building ways wherever you are. And it may be that the Lord allows you to be a part of a missions organization from where you live. It may be uh, one of those deals where you can take trips during the year or something like that, but you are stationed in a you know in a place back home in the states, or it could be that you're involved in an awesome mission right there in your town where you're living simply, serving people, and uh, it counts. Um, so there, are just a few things I would think about before passing along to these guys. Don't, don't narrow your field too far right now on what the Lord might want you to do. Just have the attitude of Lord, I'm willing to serve you. I'm willing to, I'm I'm willing to, to be where you want to send me and, uh, and be honest with the dudes that you go out with about this is your passion and this is the way you want to live your life. That's a great point. Jed?
3: Uh, well, I definitely agree with everything Lee said, and uh, I think he's absolutely right, darling, that, um, you know, we don't want to uh, you know jump the gun on this, and, and we want to recognize that particularly early-stage dating is about, you know, figuring out, you know, just the kind of person that you might want to, you know, uh, uh, be with and kind of practicing what it's like to be in a relationship and whatnot, but... As you get, you know, to a more serious relationship, here's, here's the thing that's kind of the metric I, I would use for evaluation. There's a verse in the Bible where Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, and that the thing you want to know of the, the person you're considering, you know, being in a very serious romantic relationship with is, is that how it's going down for you? Um, does God call shots in your life? Because he calls him in mine, and if he calls him in yours, then I think we we can have a future together. But if he doesn't, in other words, if you're not trying to listen for God's leading in your life, whatever that is, if you're not trying to uh, let God actively direct you wherever that leads... Then, um, then we probably need to go our separate ways because that's, that's what I'm on. The reason that's so important is that God's right. calling and God's leading in your life is going to evolve during the course of your life. Um, it, it may be missions um, uh, for some period of your life. It, it may uh, be something else um, that would be missional but maybe might not be what people would uh, typically think of with missions later on. But here's the thing to know is there, are, and it, this will sound weird when I say it, but just so you know, there are people who are missionaries who are not trying to let God call shots in their lives.
2: Right. <laughs> I want
3: you I want you to think about that for a second. There are people who are happy to travel to other places in the world and um, do really religious stuff, but aren't really trying to let God be involved in that process. Yeah. That's, that's a well, weird they, thing to contemplate.
2: They figure it just must be godly because, hey, I'm in India. Exactly right. That's By definition, that's godly. It's, I don't need to ask him about it. No, he's cool. He's yeah, cool. So we're yeah. just going to go with that. Yeah.
3: Well, see, the, the thing is, um, what I am picking up from what you're saying is that you don't want your life to be your plan. You want your life to be God's plan. And I right. think that's just right. And the thing for you to know is if you find a dude where he's trying to do the same thing, he's trying to say, I want my life to be God's plan, there will be an overlap. If, mm-hmm. if the two of you come together and say, we're both trying to be on God's plan, and we're pretty sure that plan includes both of us being together, there will be an overlap. We, we may not see exactly how that would work today, um, and it may not be perfectly crystal clear then either, but I, but I promise you, if you have two people who are both trying to listen to the Lord and let him guide and direct their decision-making process, and he's, uh, uh, you know, cueing the two of you that he has something for you, Uh, you don't need to worry that there's going to be some kind of mismatch where, you know, he's called to be a banker in Manhattan and you're called to be a a doctor in Tanzania and there's just no way for that to work. If God brings you together and you're you're both trying to, again— Actively let God call shots. Actively let God direct your paths. You'll have that overlap, and it'll be a real sweet thing.
1: Right.
2: Absolutely, Glenn. Yeah. Well, I, first of all, let's uh, say this about missions: uh, is that uh, when you go on a mission trip and you're you're with your people from your church, and uh, you're as you're saying, you're living simply, you're you're out uh, sort of away from church culture and stuff. And you experience it you think you know this is great and then you go home and it's like eh, I wish it could be like this all the time and then another part of you says you know if I had this as a job probably it would get to be a drag after a while and here's the thing that's actually not true yeah <laughs> uh the thing about being in missions is it is that good all yeah. the time it is yeah. that much fun Uh, there's something amazing and electric about putting your uh, walk in motion, having this uh, being with other Christians and going out and and having your Christianity be about doing stuff. Yep, It's fantastic stuff. So so I want to encourage you along those lines. If that's what you're thinking of doing, I think you can sort of put it out of your mind that the the ministry itself may or may not be – uh, you know, interesting and exciting and fulfilling. Uh, I totally agree with what Lee's saying here uh, about uh, sort of widening the definition to include domestic missions. There's yeah. really very little difference between uh, what overseas missionaries do and what we do with prison ministry and street-level ministry with uh, gang members and stuff. And I totally agree with Lee that, uh, that good youth ministry is really indistinguishable from missions in, in many respects. In fact, you could maybe go one further and say if you're doing church planting, mm-hmm. in many cases that involves doing a certain amount of missions.
3: Well, really, anything where it's outreach, anything where you're yes. directly going outside the walls of a church to try and reach out to people who are not churched and not right. saved is yeah. missional work.
2: That's right. So I think if you think of it in those terms— we're just reaching those who haven't been reached uh you could do that anywhere um yeah you know there there are plenty of people you know for example a lot of states here in america build uh uh, their state prisons in little small rural communities in order to increase job stuff in those rural communities so you can live in a little tiny small town and still do you know big time uh a, a jail and prison ministry so um really want to encourage you along those lines uh so you know widen the focus a bit and i and i will tell you there you know the, it it is enjoyable on a missional level and it's not that you're cheating yourself because you're here in the states with that um uh, i and and i do think this is an important thing to think about i sure. mean it's it's uh it's not Uh, that you're overblowing the importance of this. This is something you want to have in common with the person that you're dating. They don't need to commit to a missional lifestyle on the first date. You understand what I'm saying? But, you know, uh, yeah, we want to uh, eventually uh, deal with this. Now, one of the things we do need to consider here is you call it living simply. Um, Here's what we call that uh, in our world. Broke.
0: Yeah. Hello. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. <laughs> bridge
2: Real broke. That's not living simply. And that's living what it's been
1: the whole time.
2: Yeah, living simply is when you have money in the bank, but you just don't spend it, and you you like live in right. a simple, you know, <laughs> yeah. something. You you drive a a late model Civic instead right. of a Lexus. Right. That's living simple. Very. Uh, we don't live simple. We're broke. That, that's right. there's. A, if you do missions, you're gonna be broke. Yeah, there's a difference. Okay, let's be straight um, about it. And and uh, and that's something you have to be prepared for. I know if you're in the college, you say, I don't care about getting rich. That's not what I'm about. You will. <laughs> if you have a kid, bless his heart, gets sick and needs to see a doctor, all of a sudden money becomes very important. You know, we're not talking about. Uh, uh, that's know, not
0: greed, that's just common sense. Exactly. There's a
2: big difference between trying to to, to uh, you know get a, a big pile of money and having an ability to pay bills. And if you go into any kind of missions, you're going to have problems paying bills. That's going to tell you something about the church, and that's a hard pill to swallow, and that becomes part of the struggle that many people go through. But I think that the bottom line in all this is to really look at the idea of creating teamwork. That that's mm. what you want to do is to say. In other words, you may be the one that's on the front lines, and he may be kind of your support. Yeah. You may do a, a ministry to um, a disadvantaged women or, or or you know young teen uh, mothers, and uh, uh, you know helping them deal with crisis pregnancy stuff, for example and he's your support you know he he goes and drives the supplies and and unloads stuff and all that uh, you, you, he might be sort of the the man behind the scenes to kind of help things that's fine as long as we are building a team and everybody can it, believes in the mission and everyone's pulling on the same to the rope that's all that really matters and you have to sort of create that team even if everyone feels called as jed's suggesting here uh, the the fact that we all want to go in the same general direction isn't necessarily the the whole thing. It's about everybody listening, everybody getting on, on plan, everybody knowing what they need to be doing, being directed from, by the Lord.
0: Totally. All right, we're going to move on to our last question here. It came into our Tumblr inbox from our friend Imagineering Light. It says, Ooh. recently my friend asked me a question I couldn't answer very well. She said, when you look at someone, in this case her boyfriend, and you know they are lying to you, but love them anyway, isn't that unconditional love? But when is it wasted and where is it better served? How do we compare that to our father's love so we don't get confused? Jed, can you kick us off?
3: Uh, I sure can. I sure can. And uh, first of all, we just want to give a shout out to Lauren and David, um, Yeah, uh, Woo. Who are our friends and appreciate them a whole lot. Well, look, I think there's a couple things going on in this question, um, and all of them are worth looking at, but uh, one of the biggest ones is the difference between love and trust, uh, because those are two very, very different things. I think it's easy um, uh, for us to get confused on them. Uh, God has unconditional love for every person who has ever lived, no matter what they've done. And as a Christian, uh, you are called to love all people, um, that's that's true, that's biblical, but you are not called to trust all people, right? Um, and uh, Jesus himself did not trust all people. So all let's right. take a look at that. If we want to use a loose definition, love is the decision that you make to be devoted to someone else's good. That's kind of just a a loose general definition of love. And you are called to, um, at least in some measure, be devoted to the good of everyone. Um, Now, certainly the Lord has a specific calling for your life, and um, we really want to be about that, but but that's neither here nor there. Um, Trust is about uh, entrusting something of value to that person, and uh, giving trust to an untrustworthy person is a bad idea uh, and not scriptural, and not right. Christian, and right. not wise. Yeah. Um, but Christians get really confused about that because it's easy to feel like, well, if I'm supposed to love you, shouldn't I give you trust whether you've earned it or not? And if you betray my trust by, for example, lying to me, shouldn't I just kind of pretend that's not really happening? And Because wouldn't that be Christian?
2: Yeah, and if you forgive somebody, then you have to trust them at the same time. Exactly right. Exactly. Makes no sense at all.
3: That's the way a lot of people feel, and it's absolutely not true. So let's mm-hmm. let's take a look at, at how this actually works. Trust is something that you earn. Right. Trust is not something that you, as a Christian, should ever give anyone. It's something that you should uh, grant to them when they have earned it, and they earn it by behaving in a trustworthy fashion. If someone lies to you and you're aware of it, that has eroded. The trust that you had for them and if you're going if they're going to have more trust they have to earn
1: new trust and and jed who who gets to be the shot caller on the way that they earn that does the person who's broken your trust do they get to set the rules on that
3: That's an excellent question. No, they don't. Uh, You decide um, uh, how that re-earning of trust is going to occur and when they have achieved it. Now, certainly, it's possible to be uh, a jerk about that. It's possible to refuse to give trust to people even when they've earned it. But that's actually pretty uncommon. Um, if, if we're going to be honest, most, most Christians are tenderhearted enough that if they see someone putting in a real good effort to rebuild trust there, most Christians are more than happy to, to, to give that trust in that moment. Uh, but to be very clear, if someone has lied to you, they, they are telling you, you should not trust me and uh, understand when I say you really shouldn't. You really, really should not trust them. They're 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 being clear, the only one who is confused in this situation is you. But that doesn't mean that you're not supposed to be there for them as much as you're able. And right. that's where that love piece comes in. So they yes they lied to you and we're not going to trust them we're not going to entrust things to them um, you know uh, if they uh, you know told you that they would uh, pick you up for uh, you know the concert and then they never showed up well we're not going to rely on them as our mode of transportation moving forward that would just be a bad idea but if they call you up and say hey I you know my car's broke down and I know it's midnight but I got nobody to you know to help me can you come well the answer is of course of course I'll come and and help you out because I love you and this isn't about me trusting you here this is just about me loving you but let me say one more thing and then I'll I'll pass on to these other brothers we absolutely can't have healthy adult relationships if we don't have trust in those relationships let me, let me break down how that works. Um, there are people in your life that you are called to minister to. So, for example, uh, you, maybe you're volunteering with a youth group and you're trying to minister to the kids there. Maybe you're um, you know, helping out at a homeless shelter. Uh, you trusting the people on your mission field actually is not required to love them and minister to them. Um, I have all kinds of people I'm trying to minister to. I don't trust them at all. Right. I, to the contrary, in certain arenas, I know if given the opportunity, they would do something schmucky. So right. I don't give them the opportunity to do something schmucky on purpose. Right. So we don't really need to worry about, uh, you know, whether or not we can trust, again, the people on our mission field. But if, like, we're dating someone or if we're engaged to someone or if we're married to someone, for that relationship to be healthy, there has to be trust there. Right. Uh, we yeah. we have to know that... Um, that we can trust this person. And part of the reason I bring that up is I've heard Christians say before, and it relates to your question, well, Jesus loves me no matter what, so aren't I supposed to love my boyfriend or girlfriend no matter what? Aren't I supposed to love my fiance no matter what? And the answer is no. That's that's actually not how that works. Um, If someone... Proves in the context of a committed relationship that they can't be trusted, uh, then there needs to be a reevaluation of that relationship. Right, that doesn't right. mean that it has to be the end of the relationship, but it need, there needs to be a sit-down where the two people uh, talk this thing out. Uh, it's clear that trust has been betrayed. We talk about what it's going to look like to rebuild trust, um, that it's necessary for that to occur. Uh, we don't. Pretend it didn't happen and move on because that's Christian. That does not lead, that cannot lead, it will never lead to healthy relationships. And for folks who are listening to this, if you're in a particularly romantic relationship where people have lied to you and are betraying your trust, you owe it to yourself to speak up about that. Um, Right. You deserve to be in a relationship with someone that you can trust. Maybe that's possible with the person you're with. Maybe it's not, but you deserve that. God does want that for you. Um, You have a right to expect that, and uh, it's the Christian thing to do when your trust has been betrayed to speak up and say something about it.
2: That's absolutely right. Glenn? Yeah, let me just pick up where Jed's leaving off. I think it's essential that we call people on stuff uh, where they're doing stuff that's hurting the relationship. Yeah. That's essential. Well, forget about is it good, bad, or it's a Christian, is it not it there? That's non optional. You're doing something that's hurting this relationship in a major way. I need to be talking to you about that right now. If I know that you're lying to me and that's an, that's eroding my ability to trust, uh, in what you're saying, I need to be communicating to you about that right here, right now. Does that mean I love you less? No, what that means is because I love you and because I want to be in this relationship, I'm confronting you and telling you so that this doesn't tear the relationship apart. Love is the thing that would cause you to open your mouth and say, I don't like this because it's hurting the relationship. You've got love on backwards here. And that's the real problem that we have is um, uh, uh, you're talking about love... Uh, and in uh, agape love, God's love, uh, but what we're talking about here is what are we going to do with the relationship? Yeah, it, you ought to absolutely. You ought to love unconditionally. There shouldn't be no conditions or limits on your love. Absolutely sure. We're not talking about the love part. We're talking about the relationship part. And all relationships need boundaries. All of them. They need a. Uh, you need to be aware what. At what point a behavior or an attitude uh, or an action is uncool, destructive, uh, inappropriate, whatever it is. You need to be aware of that. If you're not aware of it, the person that you're in that relationship with needs to communicate that to you. You need to have uh, boundaries on everything in in these relationships. Yeah. Uh, and the more boundaries that you have, the better. The more that you understand what is appropriate and inappropriate uh, the better that is so you're not hurting relationship by putting boundaries on it that's that we, we have to be clear on that again we've got this backwards uh, all we're talking about here is avoiding confrontation If you didn't have any problems with confrontation, all this would already occur to you. You say, well, I love this guy. I want to be in a relationship with him. This is hurting the relationship. Therefore, cuff him and tell him. That would already occur to you. You just don't want to confront him. That's all. That's the beginning and end of this thing. Here's what you need to know about that. Psychologists call that repression. You're just taking that feeling that you have of anger and betrayed trust, and you're pressing that down and you're hiding yourself from that. Here's what you need to know, it still exists. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's still damaging the relationship. You know, yeah. it's still it's still doing its thing. If you communicated it, yeah, that would be a thing. But uh, by a sort of uh, repressing that down, it's, uh, it's become more hurtful. We have a way of saying, whatever I am not looking at doesn't exist and it's not doing uh, damage, it's not causing a problem. Uh, that's not how uh, relationships work that's not how interpersonal that's not how emotions work Uh, you know uh, my uh, wife was babysitting this little gal and she was uh, uh, you know giving her a bath and she uh, walked in the room the little girl was embarrassed of course she because she didn't have any clothes on so she gets embarrassed and and she clamps her hands over her eyes and closes her eyes because she figures if I can't see it you can't see it yeah Mm. Uh, that's how people are with emotions yeah. this person says well i feel bad about this i'm gonna hide my feelings about this from me and then no one else can perceive it this guy can pick up on the fact that you resent him that's yeah. coming out so you might as well say it out loud in a controlled way in an adult way saying i know you're fibbing to me about this and that's not cool let's figure out how to live honestly with one another uh, you know come out with the truth that's what's going on uh because uh When you press it down, it still exists. It's still doing its thing. It's just going to come out in an uglier, meaner
1: way later on. Absolutely, Lee. I think so many people are afraid of confronting people who have broken their trust and have misused them in a relationship because they're afraid of saying, I, that would not be love. The truth is, it's not that you wouldn't be loving that person. If someone has broken your trust and you won't deal with it, the person that you're not loving is you. Yeah, and that's the whole thing right there. Hello. Uh, you know, earlier when I, I, I've got friends who uh, who run AA groups here in in uh, in my town, and uh, <clears throat> one of my friends that he's been running AA groups for 27 years, and he's and one cool thing about AA is they have all these awesome, like, uh, little, like, sayings, and all the, all the AA sayings are, um, like, I've heard Glenn say this before, the cool thing about AA cliches is they're all true. And so yeah. one of the yeah. ones that this guy says is to people who like, you know, like, so, you know, somebody will have a family member who is an addict and the family, like the parents just keep giving them money every time they come back around, just keep giving them money, keep giving them money, keep enabling them to do this thing. And one of the, the sayings that this guy says is your love is killing your loved one. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And. I love that. And, and, and that's what happens is that you're the, the, what you have called your unconditional love is enabling them to treat you like garbage. It's not helping them. It's not helping you. You're the one who's not being loved in the middle of this. At the very beginning of this question, Jed uh, said something really important. And I want to go back to it just for a second, because one thing that gets confused in this question is, how do we compare this to the love of God? So we don't get confused. Uh, There's a place at the end of John chapter two. I'm just going to read it. It's the very end of John chapter two. It says, uh, Now, while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. That's it right there. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. And that is a really cool thing, because we know that Jesus has a love for people that cannot be put into question. But it says right there in black and white in the scriptures, he did not entrust himself to them because he knew what was inside them. Really cool thing is when chapter three picks up, which originally when when John wrote this book, there were no chapter two ended and chapter three began. Chapter three says, now there was a man. So chapter two ends, he did not entrust himself to them because he knew it was in them. And then chapter three picks up, now there was a man that Jesus met with in the middle of the night, and he did hang out with this guy. He knew it was in him too. He entrusted himself to Nicodemus. He opened himself up to this conversation. And so... uh, there, there, we have a clear example of the one who loved everybody that he made at the same time saying, I am not going to entrust myself to these people. And that does not diminish his love in any way. It shows us, you know, it shows us the way that he took care of them and took care of himself.
0: It's an absolutely great point. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridge, One more time. I want to remind you, you get a free bridge box. If you go to missionusacom USA.com slash say that 100, that say that. And then the numbers one zero zero. We do want to extend a real heartfelt thanks. We have had, we have so much fun doing this show. We love that you guys interact with yeah. us. We love that we're helping. We love to uh, hear stories of people who have taken something we've said and it's actually helped out. This, uh, what you're hearing here is pretty much our unadulterated heart. The f- thing that these four guys have in common is we love helping people out. We love ministering to people. We love really getting in there and helping people, uh, awesome people like you who are pursuing the Lord, kind of break stuff down and move on. So it's been a lot of fun over these last 100 episodes to uh, meet in various different kind of online ways folks from all over the world and folks who are doing super cool stuff. So for the 100th time, just remember, we love you. God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Or for best tagline presenter
2: goes to me. <laughs>
1: yes. Oh, meta! You've been holding them.